As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Welcome to the Hour of Deliverance. And it is, it is the day that the Lord has made. Now you tell me, is it a good day or is it a sad day? Is it a frustrating day? Ah, oh, it is the day that the Lord has made. Now, uh, <clears throat> I want to go into some things about Proverbs Uh, and because I have found something astounding about the whole Word of God, but especially about Proverbs. For more than 50 years, I've done this thing of reading the book of Proverbs for the day of the month. And for all of these years, more than 50 years now, what is in that months that that day's proverbs it speaks to my day and i i'm telling you it'll speak to your day it speaks to the relationships that i'm dealing with and it speaks to the whether it's business and for some of that time i was in school so whether it was business whether it was school whether it was a job or whether it was relatives i mean that thing spoke to it and uh there were there used to be Well, I wish it was used to be. The, uh, a problem that I used to, yeah, I keep saying used to because I wish it used to. I'm going to skip that one because I went and told on myself. But I want you to know about Proverbs that it is for a son and it is for a prince and it is for a king. Now, Proverbs is part of the Word of God, so it's for everybody here It is for everybody. But the way that it progresses in what it's teaching is a son, uh, and that's son or daughter, a prince, prince or princess, and a king, king or queen. Now, mostly in the masculine, mostly in the masculine, when you want, to, when you want instruction, In the feminine, you want to specifically look at wisdom. But I want you to know that the first part, and it's not, you know, one-third, one-third, and one-third, but the first part of Proverbs is to a son, so that it's like teaching your child when they're young. There's certain things that if you teach at a certain age, it's caught quicker, it's understood quicker, it's... it's um, received better but then if you go to 
teach those things or instill those things at a different age, it might be more difficult or it might be met with resistance. And that's why I'm letting you know that Proverbs is first. The first part of Proverbs is given to the son. And the way it is in life that um, we spend more time teaching our children, that is parents, teaching our children when they're youngest than when they're oldest. And uh, one example for uh, you can speak several languages to a child and they'll pick it up. But when they get older, uh, you're going to have to do some more teaching and you're going to have to take some more time. And you need to know that. And we definitely do know that. All cultures and all through time, we understand that cycles of learning, even if our psychology at whatever time it is, doesn't back that up. As parents, we still know that. And um, Proverbs is like that. So that the, the, the next part of Proverbs, and remember, it's three parts, but it's not one-third, one-third, one-third. The next part of Proverbs is talking to a son. How to be a son, and how to be a good son, and how to recognize when you're not a good son. Here we go. Letting my hair distract me. And, um, hmm. And I notice that I keep saying, um, um, um. And I've been through uh, the courses that teach you not to say, um. What is making me say that at this time? And if you go by the son, the prince, the next part is to the prince, so that you need to know things, setting you up and getting you ready for who you are and what you're, what you're going to be. I'm always telling you that I'm giving to the person of excellence. And it's not, that's not something I did. I just notice that God gives me to deal with people of excellence, which also then makes me notice that people of excellence is not my definition. It is definitely God's definition. Because to me, I think if you're excellent, then you're excellent in righteousness and holiness and love of the Lord. And um, yeah, um, sometimes you are excellent at the worst thing of the worst thing, of the worst thing, and you are more excellent than anybody in being the worst thing. Every criminal is not equal. There's something on the news right now where one criminal, definitely criminal, but it's stupid. Uh, And I remind you that when I use the word stupid, I'm talking about kassel in the Hebrew. There's three words for stupid, and they have three different kinds of definitions. And uh, all of them are, are arrogant, but uh, one, Cassell, it's, it's just, they believe themselves, they, they think that their opinion is the opinion, uh, it is how the world turns, whatever it is they think, and they don't want to hear anybody else. Now, some of you, if you're not in, and I'm, t- I'm talking about some of you fools, Cassell fools, if you're not in... Um, highest position you will tend to think that your purpose is the purpose and if you're in a lower position then your purpose serves the purpose and the best purpose and that's whether or not it's true or not the scripture usually calls it fool one of the parts of the definition has to do with being stupid stupid 
So when I talk about stupid, that, that's what I'm talking about. The arrogant, the only believing, you know, your own self. And the Cassell fool, that stupid one, that fool, is more in Proverbs than in the whole Old Testament. And I told you I'm taking the, the Hebrew definition. That Cassell, kind of like, like uh, Proverbs is not divided in three equal parts. Let me get my three up here. Is not divided in three equal parts. Cassell, Cassell is, is not, it, it, there's three words and they're not equally in the scripture, in the Old Testament. Cassell, the stupid, arrogant fool, is there much more in Proverbs than in the whole of the Old Testament. And so I want to, to help us because Proverbs is to the son, the prince, and the king. Now I'll let you in on it right now. If you know Jesus Christ is your savior, you're part of the royal priesthood. Now remember where Jesus said to to search the scriptures and then you think you have eternal life, it's them that speak of me. Now there was no New Testament written at that time. Okay? We only have that written because there is an account of him saying it. But when he said it, it wasn't written. Now, even as I say that, I let you know that that is a man truth. We were talking about that before the broadcast. However, that's not a God truth. Jesus let you know that the things that are the law of God, oh, they're in there. They're in the old covenant. You just might not see them so regularly. And uh, I want you to know this about Proverbs so that you don't understand and don't think that I'm saying that one part of Proverbs is uh, different or, or Proverbs is better than the rest of Scripture. I just want you to know that for the ways that man likes to be, we want to know the instruction right here, right now, for this and for that. And if you don't read what God said for kings to have their own copy of the scripture. Now, he said that even though there were hundreds of years where the the major of population in any country was illiterate. Hundreds of years. That right there lets you know that that's not what God means for man. Just because it's what the way it is for everybody. Just the way it is in everybody just the way just because that's the way it is in the whole country that whole nation no that's not God's way and when you want to talk about right now we're not hearing it as much but getting back to the norm getting back to the norm sometimes there are norms that aren't God's way never were God's way and never will be God's way and guess what you don't get to know it if you're not engaged with him if you know him, have relationship with him, and you're not engaged in his word, you don't get to know some things. Unless, of course, he gives it to you by revelation, and God does. He will. God will give you things by revelation that absolutely pertain to what you're ordained for, to what he made in you through from the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. We used to have these discussions about predestination. You need to know that God destined things, predestined things, in his son as the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. 
So before you start looking for what you're predestined for, you need to know what God predestined in his son. And then you get to find out that some of the things that you might even know that you have destiny for, without being in his son, those things will never happen. Being in his son, those things will happen like crazy fast, crazy good, and crazy ex, ex, what am the word I'm looking for? Explosive. Living it though, living it, it's good to read Proverbs every day. And that's even when you understand that the calendar we use, that's not God's calendar. God's got a calendar. And it's not necessarily the Hebrew calendar the way that we like to use it. Uh, in in my, my college years, uh, in one of my undergraduate years and in one of some of the graduate years, there were two different thoughts now on God's calendar or the Jewish calendar and how to follow and what to follow. And I'm pretty sure both of them missed the fact that God stops counting when his people are not following him. And I don't mean that as a push-button thing, you know, like I'm looking at a a, um, control board here for the sound. And there's buttons, buttons, buttons. As a matter of fact, I see it says one, two, three, four. And then there's some others beside it. And it's not like up, down, up, down automatically. But when you follow God's word, he shows you that when Israel is not my people... Their time is stopped and is not counting. God doesn't count time the way that we do. We like to say forever. And so many people back then when I was in school, in college, they would talk about forever as um, eternity. And as you continue to read the word, you find that when he says forever, and that's not just because it's King James, and it says for, F-O-R, space, ever, you get to find out, there's ever and there's ever, and there are two different ways of counting what we call time. They're not measures of time. And I hope I'm not throwing you off. I want you to understand that God has patterns and He gives us to underst- to gives us to the patterns. He gives us the patterns. Whether or not you take notice. For example, there's a pattern going this way right here. Doesn't mean you notice, doesn't mean you don't notice. Now some of you will notice the pattern and you'll see that it's crosses. But someone else might notice the pattern and see it as something else. Or you'll see the edges of the pattern and not even notice the center. And then some will see the pattern on here and wonder, is that leaves, is that flowers, what is that? And you may discern differently. And then some of you will see that, ah, well, here's that pattern, but it's going in another direction. God does that in his word, and He, God isn't fickle. He doesn't do that for nothing. Whether or not we notice, whether or not we understand, if you understand and you, and you look at this, more than likely, he has something to do with what he predestined for you in, the, in his lamb slain from the foundation of the earth something that's 
predestined in. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Leaves or in flowers or even in the color. Because God's the one, the one who created colors. They gave us the ability to mix and make some colors. But you know what? Any color you, you make, it's not something that God had, hadn't already made. Just because you found out how to mix some colors. So this thing with Proverbs, I've learned that in spite of the fact that the calendar that we use today, it even got started on some political stuff and, and, and Rome trying to rule the world, which you'll find that when you read the Proverbs for the day, it's going to match your day. It's going to have to do with your life. Now that's that's part pardon me, part of the idea that God says his word is alive. When I came to know the Lord, I was a writer and a poet already and had won some awards for my poetry. And I was writing articles for a, a magazine. I was a teenager. They didn't know it. And anyway, So as a writer, I wanted to know what makes these words the word of God. I heard the preacher, I got saved during a revival, so there was preaching every single day. And I was made sure I was there every single day. I didn't know that wasn't the norm. Uh, I didn't know that that wasn't how things always were. When I got saved, I thought church is every single day. And altar calls are every single service. And people get saved every single service. And people get healed every single service. And people get delivered every single service. Because when I got saved, that's what I saw every single day. And uh, so I heard the preaching on the word. And I wanted to know, well, what makes these words the word of God? God's word is true. Okay. Um. I always, I was a kid who always paid attention to the grown-ups and what they had to say, the adults. And I noticed that adults, when I was a kid, adults always made it like what they say is the truth and what they say is right. And I always noticed that, well, yeah, a lot of times it is. But a whole lot of times, what adults say is just not true. And some of it, I was learning this, as a, and this is a little kid. I was learning to think in terms of some of this is a lie, and they don't like lies. At least they don't like it if I lie. Lies are wrong, and yet some of what they say fits in the categories of lies. Some of what they say fits in the category of not true. At a very young age, I made a difference between lies and what's not true. 
I don't know that I knew how to think of it the way that I can say it now, but I understood that grown-ups can say things that are not true, but they're not lying, kind of like they believe that it's true. I want you to know this because in Proverbs, it deals with dealing with truth and it deals with people who are not of the truth. So that even when they tell you something that could be true, because they are not of the truth, it's a plot and a plan against you. And Proverbs teaches you how to know what's going on, when's going on, and how it's going on. Me as a writer, and uh, I said I used to write poetries and articles, I used to write plays. I didn't recognize it at the time, but I would write plays in order to make sense of my life. And like that thing I just said about the grown-ups, what what the different people did. So when I read Proverbs now, I look at it as you know each character, you know their script, and you know their plot. You know what they're up to and what they're going to do if that character shows up. You're not fooled by the strange woman because you already know her script and you already know what she's going to do and what she's about, what her, her place is in the play. And... Ah, what Proverbs 21.1 The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And I'll remind you that when you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in your scripture, that's Yahweh, or some of you like to say Jehovah. Um, but Yahweh is God of covenant. God revealed that way back in Genesis when he first gave the revelation of the name and it wasn't Yahweh or Lord by itself. It was Yahweh Elohim. So that God's first revelation, and that is Yahweh Elohim. Well, Yahweh's God of, of contract, God of covenant. He's the ratifier of the covenant. He keeps the covenant. He's the one who brings you into covenant. So when you see Lord, I have a, a home's Uh, names of God's study Bible so that in mine it reads the king's heart is in the hand of Yahweh I want to always be reminded that uh, when I see Lord with all caps that it's God of covenant what this this has to do with covenant when it's when he's naming himself like that and so as the rivers of water he he turneth it whithersoever he will. Now, I'm using King James. I have reasons why I use King James. And I mean, they're, they're preference, personal preference, but on theology, on some theological stuff. Now, in that verse, you read that, and you're going to read that in a day and a time when you have to deal with, now, the king's heart. God showed, now, there's kings that are actual kings on a throne. However, God let us know right away in the Old Covenant Abram was king-like in the earth, and kings dealt with him. Everybody doesn't get to deal with the politicians in your area, even though you're all under the politicians in your area. Everybody doesn't get to meet them. Everybody doesn't get to engage them. And in moving to where I live now, um, I noticed that I meet the people in charge. Now, the circumstances under which I met them was not always wonderful, and I'm not talking about criminal or or, or like that, but I would meet them under places of truth and beliefs. And there were some 
predominant beliefs in the three counties, I didn't know it was three counties at the time, predominant beliefs in the area that just weren't true. And while I knew that they weren't true, I didn't really know what the truth was before the Lord, before the covenant ratifier, the covenant keeper. Hello there. I'm saying hi to some people that are I love and who uh, give me energy. I was telling my daughter this morning that I didn't take my energy drink and I need some energy. And someone just walked in who gives me energy. Bless God. Hallelujah. Amen. So I, I got to know this and I got to understand this. And I got to also understand, actually before I moved here, I got to understand that God taught me how to study his word. Now, oh, this was so personal to me. I want you to know this about the the book of Proverbs. It'll be real personal to you. But when you get to know how personal it is to you and how it leads your your day, it'll lead you in your circumstance. Like when I was back in college and I wanted to know how to handle the whole semester. Proverbs would give me the the how to not just deal with the particular situation but the whole situation. And then the Proverbs of the day would give me how to deal with that that part of the particular or the whole situation. Proverbs is like that. I recommend to you, especially if you're part of the royal priesthood, you know, that you're royalty, you're a king, you're supposed to have your own copy of the word. And the scripture tells you, God tells you that a king is supposed to read it twice a day doesn't mean you can't read it more than twice a day but it certainly means you don't want to read it less than and then God God has revealed some things about when he says things about twice and when he says a thing twice and you're moving in that even if you don't know the the law about it if you even if you don't know what he's bringing you into in doing that you know uh, I always say that whether or not you know or believe in the law of gravity you drop something, it's going to fall. It's going to follow the law of gravity. It also means that you, if you know the engine type of thing of how they set off a jet and an airplane, you're going to, uh, if you've, I don't know the right terminology right now, but if you know how to do differently with the law of gravity so that it's not just the first thing. I always like to remind you how that God says precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept. Line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. And that's even a pattern that by the time he says that, he has taught us what he is doing in that pattern. He's not stuttering when he says precept upon precept. And then again, he says precept upon precept. He's letting you know, among other things, that there's the particular and then there's that which comes under. Or he's letting you know that there is, and I'm going to say it this way, the right and then the left. There's a seeing and there's a seeing. And both are to be applied. And then he lets you know line upon line, and he says that twice too. That is three separate things. Precept, line, here a little. But he gives them to you in pairs. I like. I have a whole course on on the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. And I like to get them from the word. If you, right now, you 
write down what the first principles of the doctrine of Christ are, some of you are going to think doctrine, others of you are going to think principles, and others of you are going to think Christ. So you might write down some different things. Well, when you go to it in Hebrews 6, God names three things. I'm giving you on the wrong side. God names three things, and yet they're in pairs. Pardon me. He's giving you six things if you look at it that way, but it's three. It's three pairs, three pairs. God teaches us his patterns, and they are his patterns whether or not you know or understand them. And when you stay in his word, the word stands up in you so that different things about that, they're going to be in there so that when you get a revelation of it or a prophecy of it, remember in Revelation it tells us that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yet all along, getting to the book of Revelation, God has taught us things about the prophet. He's taught us things about the school of prophets. He's taught us things about head prophets. And he's taught us things about false prophets. He, and that's just not all. I only named four. Uh, and I, here again, I have a course on that. And I show you that God teaches us different things about prophets. And... Uh, one of the things of churchianity, and I always let you know, uh, churchianity is my term for things that believers believe and think that are not word. And we propagate, but they're not word. For example, I mentioned several times when I was in college, there was a six-inch rule for uh, males and females that when we were together, we had to make sure that we stood uh, six inches apart, different from the pandemic where it needs to be six feet apart. But there's these rules that are made. Now, that six-inch rule, it didn't have anything to do with uh, the things that you could make each other feel, setting each other's hormones or lusts off. And back then, we'd act like churchianity didn't know the difference between hormones and lust. So we used a six-inch rule uh, to... To keep lust from happening. Well, men came up with that. And a whole lot of colleges and youth groups and all that followed that. A whole lot of churches across all different denominations had that. And, and church leaders everywhere walked around with a, a the little half ruler. It didn't, it didn't do what they wanted it to do. Yet if you are of a righteous mind, let's see if... To do justice and judgment is more acceptable unto the Lord, God of covenant. Uh, to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. God wants you to know that what you do, especially if it's justice and judgment, has, has more weight and does more that is real and in truth than if you're going to sacrifice your feelings or make, make a sacrifice that God calls a sacrifice your money uh, whatever sacrifice it is that is a statement that he makes and won't that turn up in your life when that's the very thing on your mind or the thing that you're about to do or not do I love that about Proverbs you read Proverbs every day and especially if you're reading the chapter for the day Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And this one is in that part of the book where he's teaching you like the transition. I, I like to make the uh, the rainbow. Like you certainly know red from orange. However, in between, there's a hue, and it's a real color, and it's neither red nor the orange, uh, or going in the other direction, and the blue to the green, and yet you have colors in between. God makes transition, and the transitions are really there, and they're really real, when you're going from justice and judgment, and when you're going from acceptable and here Lord now he's letting you know and and even when I look at that I think there's acceptable there's good and acceptable and there's perfect and acceptable phrases in the scripture that God uses with acceptable there's different walks of acceptable now whether or not you know that or whether or not it comes to mind when you read it it comes to mind when I read it and it will direct me in the path that God has given for me and what his word in me will stand up in me his word in you will stand up in you now what's supposed to happen is when we meet up together remember how in the New Testament it tells us in the Gospels it tells us that Jesus said that we're well we're two or three are gathered together there I am in the midst of you so that when we meet up together the word that's in you and the word that's in me that meets up that is even more powerful and then let, he said two or three, so he's not just talking two. He's not just talking like in, um, what is it, Ecclesiastes, where he lets you know that uh, two is better than one. And, you know, if there's two, you can be warmed. And yet when he talks about two or three, a three-fold, three-fold cord is not easily broken. God is talking something different when he's adding one to the two, and then he adds uh, uh, another one to make it two or three. The the power is exponentiated. I wanted to do a course recently how that we like to add, especially when it comes to money, we want to add. And what God does is exponentiate. That's different than multiply. We When we think of exponentiation, we think of multiplication. It is way more, way more different. The rule is different than multiplication. Because when you're, when you're multiplying, when you're adding, one and one is two, two and two is three, and so on. Or you can add different numbers. When you're multiplying, you can multiply and you can multiply different numbers. The thing about exponentiation is that it doesn't follow the same line of multiplying. It doesn't stay. If you're, if you're multiplying your eights, you're going to go from 
well, when they taught it to you, they taught you 1 to 10 or 1 to 12. You can multiply 8 times anything. I was doing it this morning. I was actually multiplying 12 times uh, 860. <laughs> 860. Why? Because I wanted to know what that was over the course of a year. Now, multiplication, you stay in, I'm going to use my shirt here, you stay in this lane. You stay in this lane. But exponential, that changes lanes. That changes lanes. When I was a kid, there was a commercial, uh, Clarol probably, that they showed you that uh, this one will tell somebody. And then, so that means that this, they, this one will tell this one. And then they tell somebody. And now it's not just one times one, or now it's two times. Two times two, four. And now, and then it went to four times four. It moved out of its lane, and it became something different. Exponential is very like that. And I want you to understand that when God says a thing, when he repeats a thing, it exponentiates. It doesn't just multiply. It doesn't just add. It exponentiates. Now, you want to know if he's talking blessing, it exponentiates. When he tells you that uh, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken, pardon me, that's not what it says. Who who heard me misquote that? Give and it shall be, men shall give unto Now, i got to go find it. You go find it and read it exactly how he said it. Because he does say, give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But he lets you know men will give. Whatever measure you give, that's the way it's going to be given to you. So that if you give, and here again, the way the law of God is, this is an iPhone. So if you give in the measure of iPhones, hmm, that sounds like a lot. It is a lot. But then when you know about iPhones is they make that thing shut down for you to buy the next thing. If you give in the measure of iPhones, if you're not doing what I want, and if you're not buying like I want you to buy, that thing's going to shut down. It's not going to serve you. Now, I had a Samsung. As a matter of fact, I have it home now charging because you know what? It's years old, but it's going to serve. It's only going to serve in the way that it served as far as technology is concerned. But as far as its purpose, it's going to serve. When I get home, it's going to be charged. And I can do whatever I used to be able to do to it for whatever year that was. Whereas, uh, like with this iPhone, it's not like that. It's, and you want to know that God's patterns, he shows you what is the pattern that's going to stand no matter what. What is the pattern that follows this situation? Kings. Kings. God tells you, the, and this is Proverbs 21.1. And I've used this with lawyers, judges, kings, people in charge. King. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Now, when you think of kings, you're thinking of legislation and you're thinking of rules. You're not thinking of his heart. God's letting you know that kings have a heart that he is in charge of. Not you. Not me. And so I learned to pray this scripture when I needed a certain outcome. Not coming by the king's rules and his rule book that he's going to look at. Or by the, the, the thing that he's obligated to. I'm doing that because I'm thinking of the book of Revelation. Okay. That. Hmm. 
but when I want him to be under the Lord. Because the time it takes me to think up how, what legislation and how he could do it according to what it is I need, that thing will be over. The judgment will be rendered. But oh, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, huh? he turns it with it so he will. God doesn't have to hesitate, and when he wants to hesitate, he will. He can take time, he can, and he can take depth. He can, he can, he can do it now, or and he can bring up what was already done at the at the at the start of the earth, at the foundations of the earth, and I don't have to understand it, know it, or figure it out. And so I've used this a lot of times with attorneys and political people, especially. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will, and then I'll make my petition before God. Or, or before the Lord Jesus Christ, who is King of Kings, who is Lord of Lords. According to you, Yahweh, according to your way, I have a saying, your way, Yahweh. <laughs> you know, you ratified the covenant. You know what's going on. Your way, Yahweh. And I've watched God. Somebody was having something to say about what most people do in a certain situation. And I'm aware of what most people do. And I've learned that when I go to Yahweh, he will lead hundreds of people a certain way. I've watched him do that. And I know how to pray the prayer here, Proverbs 21.1, for those of you who want to get exercised in it. I'm going to see if I can get to Hebrews 5 real quick. If not, I won't mention it. And the reason why I say that is every day I'm in my Bible that's in the order of uh, Hebrew canon. And then the New Testament portion is in the canon the way it was used in the early church, which is different from the Roman order that we use now. Okay, so I'm not going to the Hebrew scripture. But in Hebrews 5, there's a phrase near the end of the chapter about having our senses exercised by reason of use. To discern, and I think the King James might say, uh, to discern the good, to discern good and evil. And me, I'm a person that goes and looks at the word, and in the Greek, there would be a better uh, translation than good and evil. It's more like better and best. But you, I, God wants you to exercise in the word, and exercise so that you know what happens and what it takes how much pressure does it take? If you're trying to open a bottle, it takes a different kind of pressure. To turn it, to turn on the phone, it takes one kind of pressure, and it takes another kind of pressure if you're pushing the button for something else. Everything doesn't take the same amount of pressure. And oh, here we go. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord, you know, Yahweh pondereth the hearts. Now, that here again reminds me of another Hebrew scripture that the word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and that discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart and it also says that it um, discerns soul and spirit laws don't do that God does and particularly his word does so when you apply his word to things it goes in a depth dimension that you might not be as familiar with as you are some other 
set of rules or, or whatever. And, and that's including when you know the word inside and out. That's one thing I've learned. I, I stay in the word, stay in the word, stay in the word. Some of you know that uh, I go through the Gospels every, well, pardon me, the New Testament every 30 days. Now, I learned that because back when I got saved, because cassette tapes, there was Alexander Scorby, the Shakespearean actor. I liked him, me being a writer and whatnot. I liked his expression. He didn't sound like he was reading. He read it like he was the character in the play. So he read. Well, back then, cassettes, they used um, the scriptures, 45, 90-minute cassettes. And I quickly learned, well, each side, that means each side is only 45 minutes. So I gave myself, I thought, well, if you tithe your money, you should tithe your time. Because I learned early on that, that uh, time is worth more than money. And if I tithe it, well, 45 minutes isn't even tithe of the day. Two hours and 40 minutes. So I thought, ah, well, it's part of my tithing of my time. I can give God 45 minutes and read the Word. And I found out that 45 minutes of, of reading, for me, I go through the scriptures, and I go from Genesis to Revelation every 30 days, just reading it in order, and I read through Genesis to Revelation every three months. That's just giving, it wasn't even a whole tithe of my day, just giving 45 minutes, and God probably tells you something like that in the Word, but He gave it to me through cassettes. We don't even have cassettes now. What would you learn it from? What would you learn it through? And nowadays you can speed it up, you know. And I, actually, I was—I uh, used to speed read in order to get through my classes because I did not want to spend all day reading 350 pages per hour per course. You guys remember those days. I don't even know if that's still the rule. But I learned that I can read. Now, God also says for the king, you're a royal priesthood, okay, you're royal. You're not only supposed to read, but you're supposed to meditate, which means that that's not me speed reading through a thing. So when you take your time, you're going to, lo- you're going to notice that what justice and judgment does. He tells you a high look and a proud heart. And the plowing of the wicked is sin. Now, the wicked is the character. Remember, if you use it as a play, wicked. You can give him a name, wicked. And he lets you know that when he high look and a proud heart, and you know he's proud, the scriptures let you know how to identify a proud heart. Then you know that the wicked, here's what he's going to do. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness. You're going to get things done. Just stick with it. Stay with it. Be diligent. But everyone that is hasty to want, when everything's got to hurry up, hurry up, and I'm, I'm, this stood out to me, uh, still does, because I'm a person that when I want it done, I want Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I've done yesterday. And I, I learned that I was even that way with the Lord. You know, I won it already. And that's not a problem for God, except for that we're not the ones to order God. We follow His plan. And when we don't, there's still some of His plan. His plan about those who are like that and those who do that, how and what's going to happen. And you get to learn that really quick on in Proverbs. I'm going to skip and it says, The way of man is forward and strange. You think you got it figured out? Hmm. But as for the pure, his work is right. So many times we're so busy in the, the immediacy of our situation that that's all we can see. That's all we can see. And we don't recognize, kind of like the scripture says, that the, the, kiss, the, the kisses of, a, of an enemy are deceitful, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. God's letting you know here that somebody with a pure heart, their thing is going to come out right. It, it might take it longer than what you want if you're a person like me that wants everything yet as, as of yesterday. But he lets you know how that thing is going to turn out right. The way of man is forward. It reminds me in Genesis where God says that his heart was only evil. Man's heart was only evil continually. This was before the flood. And, oh, here's one. Now it's true. It is better to dwell in the corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Now God lets you know. And with that, you need to know, you might want to understand that there's no point in you brawling. And notice he says that with a woman, so that's not just a wife. That's, that's if you're the child in that house. It's it's better to be in the corner, on the housetop. And you might also want to notice it. This, I'm going to show it to you. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Then he goes on to the ways of man. Now the king is a man, and all the other people that you're dealing with, they are human. He lets you know. Uh, to do justice and judgment. And then he lets you know the high look and the proud heart and the wicked. All of these people are, to use the play terminology, they're on stage at the same time. Or maybe they're on one at a time. But in the book of Proverbs, you might just only ever want to deal with the righteous and the faithful and the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. You go through the book of Proverbs and you get to find out that you deal with all of that all day long. You deal with some of it more than others. Different chapters will have more on the whorish woman and different chapters will have more on wisdom and different chapters will have more on legal things. And and you get to notice that thing I told you about Proverbs is to the son and to the prince and to the king. Some parts of it for you are for you to know as a child and other parts of it are for you to know that you're getting ready to be in charge. You're going to grow up and you're going to be responsible for yourself. 
you're going to grow up. And this is even as adults. As adults, we need to know the priesthood. You weren't entering into the priesthood till you're 30. In our day and time, we think, oh, you're grown when you're 21. You don't enter into the priesthood until you're 30. So you're grown and been grown a long time and you've learned some things. And according to the book of Proverbs and the way that thing is laid out, the way that thing is laid out, you're just being prepared up until you're 30. So that when you are the king, when you are all that, and you enter in, when you are the priest, you know what to do and how to do. And you won't be like Elihu, uh, his, his sons, and learn everything that you can do and learn your authority, that stuff you can get away with and do things. You don't just learn the rules so that they serve you. And by the way, that thing of, of how we think, oh, when you're 21, you're grown. That's our society. Notice that thing about priesthood that God told Elihu. Your sons, the priests, are out of order. He let him know. And God let Elihu know that I hold you responsible for your sons. He didn't say for the priesthood. Yes, he was the high priest and he was all over all the priests. God rebuked him concerning sons. And I'm reminding you that they were out of order at over 30 years old. So don't think, oh, just because they're 21, you know, they're on their own. They'll do what they want. When I was younger, there was this, this expression, they made their bed, let them lie in it. It's not like that. Parents, God holds you responsible. Now, it's a different kind of responsibility in a different kind of way, but you need to know his word to know what that is. So that you won't be like Elihu and die on the same day that your sons die and not know how long it is. God gave him a long time, a long time. While I'm there, I'll also remind you of this other thing that's psychology. We want to listen to psychology more than we listen to the word. Even if you just read the Proverbs of the day, you're going to be more led in the word, better than what psychology is going to teach you. I will show you this thing with um, Sam, Samuel's mother. She was praying. She had been barren and, and uh, polygamy was of the day. Her husband, he loved her more and treated her better, he said, than 12 sons or 10 sons, something he told her. Um, and, uh, but when she went to pray, cause she just, she just didn't want to suffer like that anymore. And she wanted the honor of being a mother and she wanted to honor her husband with that as well. And she's praying and the scripture lets you know that she, just her mouth was moving and you couldn't hear what she was saying, or at least Elihu, the high priest couldn't hear. Now the high priest you're supposed to listen to, and we know uh, from different scriptures in the New Testament that you don't talk back to the high priest. You give respect. And Elihu, being the high priest, he saw her. Her mouth is going and no sound is coming out. He automatically thought she was drunk. And he was upset with her too. Now the high priest... I want you to know that just because you're large and in charge, just because you're appointed of God and in charge, doesn't mean it's just how you think. Sometimes how you think comes from what you're used to dealing with. And if you're used to dealing with mess, and I have to remind me of this all the time, because I deal with a lot of mess and I deal with a lot of people that are a mess. 
And I mean excellent of the excellent, and yet they're a mess. I'm always saying, (laughs) what if you met David? God says, God says David was a man after his own heart. What if you met him during that year year or two-year period where he's messing with Bathsheba and making decisions that involves other people to do unrighteousness? Would you believe he's a man after God's own heart? You need to listen to Yahweh. So getting back to Elihu, being high priest, God's the one who said he ordains the high priest for life. God's the one who said that you you have to respect the high priest. And here he was accusing her. She wasn't drinking. She was praying, pouring out her heart before God. And she didn't get an attitude. No, she let him know. Oh, no. Oh, no, sir. Oh, no. It's in 1 Samuel. You you look at it and understand if you're Elihu dealing, you deal with your sons or don't deal with your sons is what God said. You you don't deal with them. And they were drunkards and they they were ugly. They wouldn't do the priesthood according to the rules. They were fornicating when the people came to, to... uh, sacrifice they were more wrong than two left shoes <laughs> and and if you're always dealing with a mess and someone who's innocent as innocent can be comes to you and all you can see is the mess that you're usually dealing with you're seeing through your own lens you want to ask God to see through his lens see with his heart see with his mind because the stuff the mess that you deal with is real. His sons were a mess. God said so. And Elihu was a mess. God said so. Because he would not correct his sons. And he didn't say it as priests. He said his sons. He didn't correct. So he automatically thought. This woman praying. Can't see. And he automatically thought. She's drunk. The woman wasn't drunk. And because of it, at least he knew, straightened himself up and gave her a blessing, a priestly blessing. You you want to know to do that when you misunderstand because of the things that you understand. When you understand waywardness and drunkenness. When you understand he who sows discord among the brethren. I'm talking to me now. I'm upset with the things that go on in the world. That the body of Christ is sowing discord with one another. Over our uh, political opinions mostly. And don't even know what the word of God has to say. On either side of the politics. And we keep quoting rules. Quoting rules. And look at what God has to say. And so I'm talking to me. I mind those that sow discord among the brethren. But one of the things that God taught me is that when you're looking at they and them, look at you. Look at you. The thing that catches your attention most is the thing that could be, would be you. I know a long time ago, somebody wrote a song or something that had to do with, you know, if it was, it it could have been me. Maybe our family wrote a song, such a song. But God had taught me that the thing that catches your attention, it's you in some way, some point, some time. It's how you would be if you were dealt those circumstances. It's how you could be 
if you didn't walk with God. It's how you, you, you. So whenever you're looking at the they and the them, you want to look to you. You want to do like Isaiah. I mention him all the time. You can't find anything wrong on Isaiah. You can't see anything about him. If you are the upright, the excellent of the excellent, walking it out in fullness of what God's given to you and and what you understand and what he's revealed to you and what his word is in you. If you're walking all of that out and you're like Isaiah, ah, in the year King Uzziah died, Uzziah was a good king. There were a few things about him, but he was a good king. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. The presence of the Lord takes your attention off the they and the them. And Isaiah said, I, he knew, he had talked before about how the people were unclean, unrighteousness, not following God. But in the presence of God, in the presence of God, the people are still the people. But he, you, in the presence of God, his presence is a mirror to you. His word is your mirror. And he said, I am unclean. I'm unclean. Didn't make the people better. He said, I dwell in the midst of an unclean people. But he repented for him. And you know it was real. Because a seraph from before the throne took a coal of fire. Touched him for real. Cleansed him for real. And then he gets something. You know, when, when you're fed up with sin on your own, you want to turn away from it. But he said, Here, my Lord, send me. You'll, you'll be ready to do something about it. And here again, I'm talking to me just as much as I'm talking to you. Because when I get fed up with stuff, I want to go in a cave. I want to go away. I want to hide. I want to disappear. That's not God's way. Jesus, Messiah, you remember the scripture, he came to his own and his own received him not. He still came. He still came. He knew he would be reviled and rebuffed. None of us like it, persecution. I shared it with you before from John 6, where he lets you know in the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I shared it to you, there will be offenses, but be without offense. Use Proverbs every day. Read it. It'll direct your way, your circumstance, your business, your relationships. Proverbs every single day for the day of the month. It'll direct you. 